God, um, man, we can't pray to you enough. And I just am thankful, Father, um, for your goodness and your mercy and the truth of your word in a world that wants to tell us that there is no truth, that uh, everything is just how we feel or, or what, our, quote, our truth is, Lord. And, and that seems appealing, except that it doesn't bring any peace. It doesn't bring any comfort because there's nothing we can stand on. And Lord, uh, you've said that you are the rock and um, that we can build a foundation on you. So I just pray that you'd move in this place. God, I'm under no illusion that everyone that's here wants to be here, um, but you have a purpose for them, and I pray you would show that to them and make it abundantly clear. And Lord, help me to preach your word, uh, and only your word, and that I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. All right. You guys good back there? Blake? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Making sure it looked like, like there was a bomb broken or something. Anyway, hey, how are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. Hey, we're at the, um, we're at the end of our uh, series, Liar, Liar, in which I call you liars. I'm just kidding. In which we kind of discuss some of the things that we may believe or live out of that aren't true. So I have a question for you. Um, what is the place that you feel, um, let's say, most uh, at peace? The woods. That's, that's true, except it's not fully true. When you come home from work, you don't go to the woods, right? You don't, because like, when you're ready to relax, you don't walk into the woods and just sit on a stump, typically, right? Where do you go? Your bed. Where's your bed? Home. That's exactly right. See, that's a... You read that, didn't you? That's tricky. Good. <clears throat> yeah, home. And I want you to think of that. When you think about home, why is, why is home the place you feel most at peace? <laughs> Where the heart is. That sounds like a Hallmark card. Yeah, it's true. Where the heart is. That's not a bad thing. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. We're home. When we're home... We feel like we belong, right? We feel like we're in our space, typically. Hopefully you feel that way, right? Sometimes it can not, but for the most part, um, you can feel like... And here's the thing about home that I think is interesting. Home isn't really your house, right? And what I mean by that, and stick with me, say you're a soldier, um, and some of you may have been, and you are over in the Middle East. Now, I'm not saying when you come back to your tent at night, that it's as comfortable as your house at home. However, in comparison to being out in the desert, wandering around, when they walk into that tent at night, right, are they more at peace and calm than they would be out in the desert? Probably, right? And some soldier is like, that's not true. Listen, I'm just assuming what I would feel. <clears throat> I want to read to you a verse real quick, okay? Uh, we're going to read a lot of verses today. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting at verse 27. And uh, we're going to go down to 31. When you got it, say, I got it. You got it. I'll wait. He jumped ahead of me, Zeke. We can't do that. See, then they don't pay attention. All right. When you got it, say, I got it. Listen, man. Okay, you take a long time, I guess. <laughs> okay. What a weird day it's been. It started with Blake in the front digging out a bomb from the, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> See, Blake, I've lost my spot now, and I can't do anything. I could. <clears throat> All right, this is Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Hmm. 
Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. And what happens when he leaves, when Jesus leaves, right? I will not talk with you much longer because the rule of the world is coming. He has no power on me, over me, excuse me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's leave this place. So he gets up and leaves. But that first sentence, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So one of the things that I've noticed in um, Christianity, you can take that down. (laughs) One of the things I've noticed in Christianity, and uh, at least for me, and maybe not you, is it's really easy to fall into saying the right things. And that doesn't mean that you have a bad motive in that. It doesn't mean that you're doing it to be uh, false or you're doing it to be a liar, all these things. You just get comfortable saying things and you sort of forget what it means. Or you say it because I'm supposed to say that. I'm supposed to, this is supposed to be true of me because I'm a Christian. And I think one of those is peace. We read verses like this, and I, 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 all the time, and every Christian would say in the moment, right now, if I came down and I had you raise your hands, I should have done that. Hey, who, who feels peace in the Lord? And a bunch of you would raise your hand, and maybe you're in that place. But here's the thing. A lot of times we're not. A lot of times you don't feel at peace. A lot of times the idea of peace is one of those things that when we read the, that verse, your mind already came up with a reason why, in this case, it's not always true for you. You get what I'm saying? Like, well, I don't have peace because of this, or he didn't really mean that, or in the context of this, you're trying to come up with a reason to explain why, if all of this is real, why you don't have peace that he promised to leave you. I do. What is peace? Peace is, is if we were to put it simply, is like freedom of what? Anxiety, fear, doubt. You know, what's going to come? When you're at peace, are you overwhelmed with depression? Typically not, right? When you're at peace, are you overwhelmed with anxiety? No. When you're at peace, are you overwhelmed with fear and you're looking at all the news, you know, the latest news and, and worried if it's going to come? You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Is that peace? No, it's not peace. Of course not. But we've kind of, tell me if I'm wrong, and you don't have to, re- don't tell me if I'm wrong. Because <laughs> somebody else scream this out. <clears throat> Think about this. Do you really believe that he meant exactly what he said here. I've heard people say, well, he was talking to the apostles. Come on now. And what he says specifically, in case you're wondering context, right, he's getting ready, um, his crucifixion is coming, the whole point of him being here is coming, and as he gets closer, he's trying to explain to all of the apostles, the disciples, as well as us, all of the important things, right? You get the sense that he's trying to fit it all in before he goes. So what he says here is he, said, he kind of ends it with peace, I leave with you, and then he talks about leaving. And what they don't understand yet what he's saying. He's like, listen, I'm not going to be here physically with you much longer. Do you want to know why? Let me back up. Think, if you're a Christian in the room, think about a time, and I hope you've had one of these times, and if you didn't, it doesn't mean you're Christian. We'll come to this later. Think of a time when you were most on fire for God. 
That's a Christianese term. If you're like, what does that mean to be on fire? Are you literally on fire? No. It means fired up, excited, passionate, uh, pursuing it. You want to go to church. You want to read. If you've had those moments, it's crazy. It's like you're literally sitting in his presence, and he's teaching you physically, right? You want to go out and tell people about it. You want to go out and, and be joyful. Think of those moments, right? In those moments, are you anxious? When those moments happen, were you anxious? Were you worried? Did you wonder if he loved you? No, you didn't. And you know why? Because in those moments you had peace. And what did peace lead to? A deeper relationship with him. Because all the junk that's in our head was gone. Do you want to know why you're in the room right now? And I'm not calling you out specifically. This is very important for me because we, a lot of people, David, you know this, think that I'm talking to them. So if you're one of the people that have fallen asleep already, I promise I haven't noticed yet. Okay, I don't know. So you can continue to snore. This is just in general. <clears throat> if you're a person that struggles to stay awake and you're a believer, if you're not a believer, hey, man, I get it. There's some dude up here talking to you for an hour. It's very annoying. You're like, an hour? I thought we were 30 minutes. <laughs> Could be. <clears throat> but if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you get zoned out and you fall asleep and you don't want to listen, do you want to know why? You think it's because I'm boring, or you think it's because you're tired. No, it's because you're not fired up. This isn't real to you, and you want to know why it's not real to you? I would guess that you're not at peace. So in quiet moments, when you have a second to sit down and breathe, right, you start to fall asleep. And weirdly, you're like, well, it's because I'm tired. No, 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 it's because the rest of your life, you're never at peace. And that's, that's, that's me, guys. I'm me. I'm not at peace. And this week I had this moment where I had this realization, and I just told our worship team, we had a pre-service meeting, there's some guys in here, and this, <laughs> this is not healthy. I was at the gym. I just finished working out. It was 3 a.m. I'm not kidding when I say I don't sleep well. And I'm sitting there, and as I'm on this, this treadmill walking at the end, I just had this thought, man. I'm listening to this song of like, I had the thought of when I used to be more joyful, more at peace, and, and all of these things. And I had the realization that I just told you. And I don't talk about this a lot because people justify and say God, you know, there's people out there say God told me to kill 50 people. Clearly that's not true. So I don't talk about, you know, when God speaks to my heart a lot because I have to be careful how, I only have so long to talk to you guys. So if I say God spoke to me, then a bunch of you are running out and saying he could tell you crazy things. But the, the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts sometimes. And in that moment, the realization to me was, <clears throat> When I was at my lowest, my lowest, is when I felt closest to God. And then I started thinking, that doesn't make sense, right? I'm white, Lord, that doesn't make sense. I have to be miserable to be close to you, right? And then I start to do what some of you do, and I start to beat myself up and say things like, well, it's because I don't read my Bible enough, and I don't do this, and that's part of it. It is. But that's not the root. That's not the root reason why I'm not in those things, because in that moment, it wasn't that I was joyful because I was reading the scriptures, right? In the, I, like I read the scriptures more when I'm miserable. That wasn't why. It was in my misery, something was different. I had a kind of peace that led me to, even though my life was destroyed. Guys, if you're, you're new here, someday I probably should tell my whole testimony, but at the end of the day, I'm homeless. I got no job. I got no friends. Reputation's destroyed. Family's falling apart. I, it was the real deal. I wanted, I was suicidal. All those things you think, I was there. When I say homeless, you think, oh, that's cool. No, I mean, I didn't have a place to sleep. 
I didn't have a license, so I couldn't even sleep in my car, right? Because I didn't have a car. My point to say that is, is not to, to say it was worse than but I'm saying when I think of that, that makes no sense. That I was more joyful then. That's, that's impossible. And I feel like the Spirit said to me, listen, now that you have things to lose, you don't trust me as much. And, and that, that, man, I, I cried. You can ask the guys. I don't, I don't cry ever. I'm just kidding. I cried. I teared up. And if you've ever, never had one of those moments, you're probably like, ha, ha, ha. Well, I'm sorry for you because there's moments when the Spirit speaks to you in a way that no one else could. That's true. When I was in the lowest place, when I had the most reasons to believe that God was not with me, that he was against me, because nothing was working out, that my entire life had fallen apart, in the midst of that is the time when I trusted his love for me the most. How is that possible? Because when I had nothing, when I remember this moment, I, this is part of this, I remember the moment. I out loud said, this is going to sound kind of morbid, but it was true. In the midst of all this being suicidal, when things started to shift, all of a sudden I was like, you know, kind of talking to the devil or the world in my mind. is like, what else are you going to take from me? You're going to kill me? And I didn't have fear of that. So the less that I had, it wasn't, it, it, the more I just said, you got me. Because if you don't, I'm done. And in that when I should have had no peace, I had peace. And in that, when I had nothing, I loved people more. I was more radical. I didn't care if you thought I said it right. Even though I was homeless, I felt like I was home all the time. And I think about a lie that we believe. You know, one of the biggest lies that we believe in Christianity, at least here, and I say it all the time, man, and, and I feel like I'm that guy from Charlie Brown, womp, womp, womp. Like you guys, you know, I talk a lot, so you don't hear me anymore. Some of you remnant folk especially. New people, if you like me, if you don't, don't say anything to them. But you should go talk to them and be like, hey, this guy, I listen to him. Because my people are like, <clears throat> it's typically they're the ones sleeping. But when I, when I really, when I think about what we struggle with the most, it's the, it's the idea of the reality of, of this. You say all the time, there's so many of you here that said, if he was here physically, if Jesus was standing in front of me, all this would be easier. No, it wouldn't. Because you know what you would do then? You would just yell at him and say, why is this happening? Why aren't you doing, what, why aren't you doing it my way? Why, aren't, why are we doing this? Why are we going the long way through Samaria? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? What do you mean you're leaving? Why don't I have, why am I struggling here? Why don't I have more money? Why isn't my marriage? That's all you would do in those moments. And what does that lead to, man? Here, so many of you have such beautiful hearts, and you're weighed down all the time in, in depression and sadness and worry and me too. And the truth is because you aren't living in the simple, simple reality of this. He's got you. He's got you. It doesn't matter. And I say it all the time, and I get it because I'm a pastor. And so one of my things I told them is I'll get up here a lot of times, and I will worry about weird things. And it's, it's, my mind gets twisted. I'm worried for you. So I have to say everything right so that my enemies don't have a way to... 
pick out something I say that's incorrect, right, and then bash you with it. That's truly how I justify it sometimes. So then I live in the, I'm not anxious about the truth. I'm anxious about I'm going to get in the way of that. You know what I mean? But when I do that, even when I come up here and God uses me sometimes, and sometimes, you know, he uses me all the time. But sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. The times it's good, right? The only person that's punished in those moments is myself. Because instead of enjoying the moment that I get to sit here in the honor of preaching God's word to you, I live in an anxiety and fear of what if. You get what I mean? I say it all the time, and I look at the scriptures, and if you're like me, guys, I, when I tell you this and I preach to you, I'm talking to myself. I'm trying to be transparent with you about my own walk. Because I do read this and say, Lord, you said peace. You told me peace. You told me joy. Now, here's the thing. Sure, 90%. Actually, who am I kidding? It's all the time. He's good. And there's an issue. It's me, right? But even the idea of that puts fixing it on me. This is deep, maybe. But you get what I'm saying? In those moments when I go, okay, it might be, instead of realizing I need to be in the word because I want to be, and in doing so, I'm healthier, right? The word being the Bible. Instead of thinking that way, I've said, I've got to do it enough times so that he will forgive me and like me again, and then I can be happy and have peace again. And you know what? I don't even have to ask. You all do it. And it becomes this thing of we're paying him penance. If I give him enough, then maybe he'll have, let me have a little. When the truth of the Bible, guys, and this is fact, he gave us everything. He's already given it to us. And everyone, you've been trained to say, yes, he has, but you don't believe that, some of you. I know you don't, because if we lived out of that all the time, would we have peace? Yes, of course we would. I would. And I could sit here and pick apart the ways that, because some of you, you know, I love you. You know, you're them cradle to now Christians. So you're like, <laughs> I never do that. I'm always. No, you're not. I mean, because if you were, why are you always worried about that bank account? Huh? How much is enough? I can go on and on. Now, it isn't to shame us, but man, don't you want that? Do you want peace? Real peace? And when I, was, when I had peace, here's the weirdest thing. So in the midst of my struggle, maybe you can relate, hardest times. When I had peace, think of your moments. How weird is it that at the time that was worst in my life, when I had the most need, I was the most concerned about other people's needs? That's a true story. So at a time when I literally was like, hey, can I sleep in your floor? Right. Everyone's seen that Adam Sandler thing, old. Can I stay in your house? No? Anyway, that's what it feels like, right? Some people are like, oh, Adam Sandler, devil. Anyway, <clears throat> when I had the most need, I was the most concerned about other people's needs. How did that happen? That's a true story. That's how you know. You want to know what I think a big clue, and I'm about to prove it, of how you know where you're at, whether you truly are resting in the Lord, is how often you think of me, me, me versus them, them, them. I know, it's weird. And I'm not saying that like, well, I've got to try to care more. No, it naturally happens. We don't make a tree an apple tree by taping apples to it. It's an apple tree because it grows apples. So strangely, it's not if I love people more, I will feel more 
loved all the time, or I will feel closer to him, though, when you do what he does, where he's at, you're at, you will, but you'll naturally find that the healthier the apple tree you are, a Christian, the more those things naturally happen. <clears throat> the first, the second, so the second, this is interesting that we're back here and what I'm about to lead us to in John 15. A little side note, <clears throat> the first section of scripture that I sort of studied slash had to write a sermon for, it was terrible looking back, uh, was this, John 15, what I'm about to read to you. <clears throat> Very interesting, isn't it? How God kind of comes full circle. Um, this has always been in my head. So we're going to start, stay with me, we're going to talk about this. Keep all that in mind. Keep in mind your life. But you've got to be transparent with yourself. You've got to be honest. Because if you're not honest right now with yourself, none of this is going to matter. If you can't focus, right, do you go to work and do a good job, those of you that do, <laughs> Do you do that, right? Does, is it easy to do that? You're liars if you say it is. No, it ain't. You sometimes just got to get up and go to work and do a good job because that's expected of you. So how about this? Well, Todd, you're just boring. If you had a squirt gun, I'd listen more. Hey, why don't you just try to get something from this, okay, and see what happens. Deal? Nice. Thank you. All right. John, I'll wrap it up for you, Jill. Trust me. You just got to trust me here. John chapter 1. She's just so untrusting. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's your fault. You're the only one sitting in the front. Um, John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. If you're reading on your phones, we're going to go to verse 8. So, when you got to say, I got it. I always want to give time for you guys. The reason I do that, those of you that have your physical Bibles, like you, I want you to be able to read. Right? I want you to be able to mark these places, man. Sometimes, like, we just fly through that, and I understand it takes a minute to flip there. Or if you're like me, when I became a Christian for years and years, I kind of do this because I don't know where anything's at. But I don't want to ask because then you guys are going to go, mm-hmm, you don't have it memorized. I prompt, did anybody else do that? Raise your hand if you ever went, man, I feel so much better. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to ask who still does it. <laughs> me. Anyway, um, here we go. John, I am the true, this is Jesus. Right after he says this peace thing, when, you guys, what are you, I'm so excited. All right? He said, get up and leave. So you got to envision it. If you envision what's happening here, it makes this all easier to understand. Because So he just talked about this. He's sitting, apparently, saying, a peace I leave with you. Let's get up and leave this place. Why did he put that in there? Because he's recording what happened. John's recording. So now they're standing up and walking, and Jesus says this. Okay? Right after that. Let's just assume it is. I'm reading from the CSB. You can read from whatever you want. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Now, I want to stop. I wasn't going to stop here, but this is very important. If, if I don't explain this to you, the rest of this is going to make a lot of sense because if, if you're actually paying attention, that last sentence should clash with what I just said before that. It should confuse you. Because he just said, hey, every branch of me does not produce fruit. You're automatically saying we're the branches. You know that intrinsically as you read. And he says he removes that and he prunes every branch so it will be produced more fruit. And then he says, but you're already clean because the word I've spoken to you. So your mind's going, I don't understand here. Like, am I, do I need to be worried about being pruned or am I good? you got to get out of your mind that Jesus is always talking when he says things like, um, they're going to throw you in the fire, the sheep and the goats, that these are actual true Christians. 
Over and over and over, Jesus tells us, whether it comes from the parable of the soil, when he describes all these seeds fall on soil, and some of them even look like they're healthy at first, right? Then the sun's going to dry them out. The test of time proves who the believers are and who aren't. Right now, right, I hope not, but in the church overall, well, I think we all know this, there are, there are goats. And what he meant by that is there are people that from far away look like Christians, but that someday he is going to separate. Your mind, and I don't care what you've been taught here, this is not saying because Scripture does not contradict Scripture. In John chapter 14, the section before, this is when Jesus says, I will never let go of one of those you've given to me. So why would then he say, but I'll snap you off and throw you? That's, it's not contradicting, so he's not talking about that. What he's talking about is those people who talk the talk but aren't actually transformed and new. And there is a warning. And how beautiful is it that as he's talking to the true believers, he's also giving warnings to people. Because there are people who think they are. That's the scariest thing, guys. There are people who he says, you know, there are people that come to me and say, did I not cast demons out of your name? Did I not perform miracles? Did I not do this? And say, get away from me, I never knew you. It's important when he says these things that we don't just naturally always assume, right? Everyone, every time I read this, I'm going to be like, okay, I need to pay attention here, okay? So, but in Christ, you're secure. You are. That's not what he's talking about. All right, moving on. You guys, that makes sense? We good? Jacob, we good? That makes sense? <laughs> He's a smart guy. If he says it makes sense, I'll trust him. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Now, before we go on, I wish the CSB. I love the CSB. But they do it so it makes more sense. But I love the word that this is typically translating, abide. We'll come to that in a minute, abide. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. By the way, when you're studying scripture and you're like, okay, I just want to read, you should stop in those moments and go, okay, boy, that's something I need to understand. Remain in me and I in you. Okay, that makes sense, God. I need to remain in you, right? You've already said I'm clean, so I'm good, but I need to remain in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself. We just talked about that, right? Snap off a branch of an apple tree. Is it going to continue to grow apples? No. And even the ones it has are going to do what? Shrivel up and die, Right? Just as a branch doesn't produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me or abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And then this interesting, interesting little verse right here, right at the end. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What's the proof that you are what you say you are? By the fruit of your life. The fruit doesn't make you a believer. Your actions, your good works... Don't make you a Christian. They can't. But a Christian will produce good works. That makes sense? That's important to note. Todd, what in the world? This is not helping me feel like I'm, I'm at peace here because you're telling me I better produce fruit or else. Before I go on, does it say that the branch has to work to produce fruit? No. <laughs> Thank you. No, it doesn't. So where does that pressure come from? 
He doesn't say branch has to work really hard to make apples. I'm going to use apples for us. That's not what he would refer to, right? Or grapes. It's to work really hard. No, it says, this is what's going to happen. If you just abide in me, remain in me, if you do that, you will produce fruit. Get it? If you believe that, I know, it's hard. Imagine letting go. Imagine no longer thinking that you're a piece of trash, that you have to try really hard just to be a decent person, let alone a saint. And you trusted that there's something inside of you that when you do what God tells you to do and follow him, remain in him, abide in him, rest in him, that you will naturally do these things. I would take, if I get up here and I was like, God, if I'm doing what you say and I preach, even if my words are weird, it's going to turn out well. It's going to turn out good. I hope this is one of those days you guys are thinking and not zoned out. I can't tell. You know, it's those days, right? <clears throat> I am the vine, you're the branches. So I'll, let's, let's, let's tear this apart for a second. Abide. The best way that I can describe the word abide, remain. Now, remain is an action. I get what you're saying. And it's important that I tell you um, there's another time that abide is mentioned in the New Testament or remain, and that's in 1 John chapter 2. Interesting. That is John again, right? The disciple John. And you can turn there if you want. It'll be on the screen, right? Yeah? Nice. First John chapter 2, and he says at verse 6, The one who says he remains in me should walk. The one who says he remains in him, I'm sorry, should walk as he walked. So that word translated, it would be abide as well. So there's remain again, though, for us, right? The one who says he remains in him should walk as he walked. Okay, so he says to remain in him. To abide in him. There is an indication, right? What is remaining? Well, now we have it defined. That means walk as he walked. Follow him. You know, when Jesus met people in the New Testament, it's crazy when I let myself think of this. He would talk about sin, but you know what he would say first? Follow me. Follow me. Go read it. It's a beautiful thing. Follow me. He didn't come up to Peter and say, you, turn aside from all thy sins, you scumbag. Be better and then follow me. No, he says, follow me. And you know what's incredible? In the choice for Peter to follow, Jesus knew that if you continue to follow me, you will be changed just by what? Your proximity to me. You know what I mean? That's what, that's, that's all it is, guys. Now, the part, and this is, this is where it gets a little confusing. You have to follow him. You know, sometimes, at least for me, maybe not you, I'll sit and I'll go, God, where are you? I don't feel you close by. You're nowhere to be found. Assuming I'm not just throwing a temper tantrum because I didn't get the cookie I wanted, right? What's really happened is I have to say, man, have I followed him? Do I go where he goes and, and do what he does? Most of the time, the answer is no. Some of you I've heard, I hear through the grapevine, right? You're like, man, I was super excited about this Christian thing when I first came to the remnant. Now it's kind of blah. That's because you met Jesus and it was cool because you saw what he could do. But then he said, follow me. And you went about 100 feet and said, boy, I don't really want to do that. There's some cool stuff over here to the side. And you stopped following Your proximity to Jesus, meaning how close you are to him, right, is going to be reflected 
in how you feel, live, the quality of your faith, all of that. If you don't believe me, and I know you've heard this, church people, I almost hate using these analogies because church people hear them all the time, right? You married folk, or you ones with girlfriends and boyfriends. Why you always want to be right next to them? I'm looking at you, Eli. Why you always want to be right next to them? Why you always want to be right next to him? He's so mad at me right now. That's good. But you can't do anything except smile. Anyway, uh, why you do that all the time, right? Because you're like, oh, I just want to be close, right? When I'm close, I just feel so loved. What happens when you're far away from your spouse for a long period of time? What creeps in? Doubt, worry, fear. Do they still love me? Do they still care? Why aren't they talking to me more? Why don't we pray anymore? Why don't we spend time together anymore? Maybe they don't love me anymore. So what do you think happens the less time we spend with Jesus, does he still love me anymore? Does he, has he forgotten about me? Maybe he's mad at me, right? It's the same thing. <clears throat> Peace, he says right before this. And then he says, I love how Jesus is, man. He just, he makes you think because he realizes the only way we pay attention is if, we, if he makes it a little hard because we're really cocky. You're arrogant. I'm sorry, you are. Me too. And you think, right, I can already tell, oh, man, I still feel like that new kid in the blog, new kid on the blog. What a nerdy way to say it, right? I'm not really, like you Christians have been there long term. I look up to you so much. Those of you who have been, I do. I'm like, gosh darn it, they're so awesome. They've lived their whole life. But sometimes I just want to make fun of you because I already know how you do. I'll start going, abiding them, and they're like, and you start quoting it out like, <laughs> oh, Todd, I know all of this, right? But that's the problem. So that's him talking, and you don't follow because you say, I already heard that message. You get what I'm saying? And that's just another way that shows up in our life. If the Bible's being preached in a church, the Bible's being preached, and you don't get something out of it, if just Scripture is read and you don't get something out of it, that's not the preacher's fault. Now, I'm not saying every preacher's a good preacher. I'm not saying every pastor should be a pastor. But what I'm saying is, it's, remember Paul says that too. Paul said there were people that were preaching just to compete with him. And he's like, ha ha, tricks on them because if Christ is being preached, it doesn't matter. Right? Because the message is going out there. It's the same thing. Just a little side note. <clears throat> All right, so stay with me. We're going to keep going here. Right after he says that, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Follow me. As the, we're going to go down to verse 9 and we're going to continue on through verse 17. I know it's a long one. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. How well do you think the Father loved Jesus? Let's go back to the first time we hear the Father talk to Jesus. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Boy, that's good, isn't it? I have loved you the way the Father's loved me. Hey, Jill, this is my daughter, the one with whom I'm well pleased. What if you believe that? What if you believe that, Josh? That he's well pleased with you. Because you're going to, a lot of you are going to be like, I do. No, you don't. I know I don't. As the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. There it is again. Remain in my love. Well, that makes us nervous because a lot of time you're going to go, oh my gosh, I have to work to be in his love. No, 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 no. Abide in me. Remain in my love. Remember what it said in 1 John. Walk where he walked. Follow him. Yeah, you have to make the effort to walk. But that's not really work. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There it is. 
just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, this is very deep, what I'm going to say. I'm just excited today. I hope you're hearing that because this is good stuff. Notice what it doesn't say. If you keep my commands, I will keep loving you. You're going to like this, Jacob. It doesn't say that, does it? If you keep my commands, I will continue to love you. If you don't, I will no longer love you. It doesn't say that. Some of you are going, God, what are you saying? That's what you sound like. Anyway, what does it really say? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. It's deep. Some of you are going, I don't understand yet. That's okay. I'll take my time. We read this as though he's saying, if you follow my commands, I will still love you. If you don't, I won't. No, no, no. If you follow my commands, I'm going to paraphrase a little. If you walk where I walk, you'll always be proximity, and you'll be close to the love that I have for you. You will always be close to the love I have for you. You get that? And people out there are going to go, Todd, you're, you're, yeah, this is blasphemous. You got to do this. No, it's not, because... If you're walking where he walks, are you going to take care of the poor? Right? Are you going to love people, going to preach the gospel? Yes. It's all connected. They just have it backwards. You don't do these things to earn his love. We do these things because we're in his love. Get it? I, I, some of you, it's okay if you don't, but let that sink in. It doesn't say that. If you can walk away and go and study this on your own, it does not say if, I keep your, if you keep my commands, I will continue to love you. Jesus knew what he was saying. He's not dumb. What that tells me is the times we don't feel loved, the times we feel he walked away from us, does not mean he has. It means we haven't remained in his love. We aren't close enough to know that he loves us. We are starting to forget and doubt why. Same reason you want to be next to your girlfriend, because the farther apart you go, the less you feel loved. Not the less he loves you, the less you're going to feel loved. Make sense? Remain in my love. Now, to the non-believers, right, the goats, the people in the room that are just saying it, there's a, there, there's, there's a warning here. My people are going to walk where I walk eventually. You get what I'm saying? <clears throat> I have told you these, that's the only problem about preaching. I can't, like, we can't interact. That's why I used to like the Real Talk series, when we can kind of interact, right? I can't go into this, because it would take two hours, and then, you know, Josh is asleep, so. I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm just kidding. He has not fallen asleep. Anyway, moving on, he says, verse 11, I've told you these things, and this is why this is, why what I'm saying is true. I love this. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. If that verse means I've got to do these things so that he still loves me, I ain't going to be joyful about that. I'm going to feel stressed, anxious, worried all the time of am I doing enough to continue to be loved? So Jesus says that what, what he told us right here was good news. He's like, hey, this should make you joyful. But our minds immediately go to all the areas we have failed. Your mind did that. You're still doing it. You're still saying, I guess I haven't remained in him because I didn't do this. That's not the point of this. Just keep walking, trusting. Because the message of Jesus that he said at the beginning, right, in John 15 where he says, you're already clean because the word I've spoken to you is this. You can't stay with me on your own. I have to hold on to you, and here's the good news. I'll never let you go. That's the good news. 
That once, you've put our, once we put our faith in him, it's over. It's done. What does he say on the cross? It is finished. That's good news. Well, Todd, what about all these people that tell me I've sinned and won't let go of it and keep shaming me and the voice in my head that says, well, you must not really be a Christian because this time in your life you did walk away or you did sin or you did do that bad thing. Here's the thing. So did Peter. So did many other people. It's not the nature of your sin. Here you go, AJ. The nature of your sin is irrelevant. Now, people don't like that. I'm going to say it again. The nature of your sin is irrelevant. <gasps> what taught it says sexual sin is the worst of sins. No, no, no. It's because the effect on you. The nature of your sin, even if in this room you've committed a sexual sin in your past, listen to me, or even your present, if you have faith, right, and you repent of it. We repent after we're saved, not to be saved, but that we can feel at peace and restored in our relationship. The nature of your sin is irrelevant. And I'm sorry that someone in your life has preached to you and told you a lie which is that his love is no longer with you, that he no longer loves you, that you're not in his love because you wandered off. If that's the case, if that's the case, then why do we talk about King David? If that's the case, why do we talk about Paul? I mean, Peter and Paul. He killed people. I love when people try to justify this. The best answer people have for David, I love it. Well, Todd, some of you already thought it. Well, Todd... King David was never able to build a temple. Mm-hmm, ha, ah, so he did get punished. Y'all silly. The truth is, what did he say? We all sit around and put him up on a pedestal that this was a man after God's own heart. Remember who he was and what he did. But God said who he was wasn't what he did. Make sense? I'm very passionate about this because this alone crushes the spirits of Christians. And it's not that, they're go- that God's going to let him go if you're one of those people. It's not that God's not going to save him still. It's just they're going to live a life of misery because a bunch of goats told them that if they don't do every, if they fail and sin has consequences, right? If I put my hand on a fire, I'm going to be burned, right? It's not the person who lit the fire's fault in that case. I put my hand on the candle. It's my fault. At the end of the day, though, people have told some of us in this room, and we live under this, even if they told us, somehow our minds do this because the way the world is, that you mess up, you do these certain things, and it's over. You get one, maybe two chances, right? How many times did he tell Peter he had to forgive, and he's just a human? Seventy times seven. Some of you all keeping a tally, right? <laughs> I'm at 142. I'm good. I got two more, and I can, no, that's not the point. So important. There is joy in the realization that he loves us as the Father loved him. That alone, right there. Because I guarantee you, Christians in the room, you're like, did the Father love Jesus? You know he did. Well, Todd, I've messed up, but what does the Father see when he looks at you? He sees the perfect life of Christ. Everything you've ever done or doing and will do has already been nailed to that cross. It's over. It's finished. We get caught in this whirlpool, this whirlpool in American Christianity that is such a weirdo pendulum that it goes two ways, and we're all afraid of the extremes, right? Well, if we don't tell people that their sin matters, they're going to run out and drink and do drugs and sleep with each other all the time. Like, that's so ridiculous. (laughs) We can't change the truth because we're afraid of what people will do with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I need something. 
Thank you, those of you that nod. I'm just so desperate for your affirmation. Anyway, uh, that's not true. Clearly, I offend people all the time. Verse 12, your joy may be complete, by the way. What a beautiful thing. Some of you all in this room, you're already doing it. Like, this is a nice sermon, but when I walk out, I'm still going to be joyless. Then you're not listening. I'll connect it at the end, okay? This is my command. So you're like, oh boy, he's about to tell us. If we remain in him, here it comes. Love one another as I have loved you. I am loving my brother when I condemn him for his sin. Yes, I forgive you. Now turn around so that I may lash thee 40 times. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Hmm, If you're supposed to lay down his life, what about his pride? What about his arrogance? What about his anger? What about his bitterness? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Constantly just hammering you with stuff all the time that you it's hard to keep up. Because now he's like, You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do what did he command us? So everyone immediately is like, Well, uh, yesterday I, I didn't pray, and yesterday I did this. Remember context. In the context of this moment, what is the command? Did you what? Love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends if you love one another as I have loved you. Because that's where I am. You do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. That last verse, I feel like I need to the second to last pair, like explain it again because it'll confuse people. I chose you and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. But we already know that how do we produce fruit? We remain in him. We abide in him. So stay with me. What he's saying is if you're really one of mine, if you are the Father's child, he, will, he is going to give you what your heart needs. He's going to take care of you. You get what I'm saying? It's all connected. You'll produce fruit. Why? Because you are what you are. What is fruit? It's all these things that he says to do. And because of the nature of who you are, when you, when, you, know, you truly are one of his, you're not a goat, you're not a fake fruit, he will take care of you. Now, those of you with kids, it's much easier now. Now that I have a daughter, I even understand more. It's much easier. She gets mad at me over the silliest things, okay? In fact, if Jill was here, she just left. I went up to say, Jill was holding her. I came up to say hi to her. I'd seen her, and she punched me in my eye. She tried to punch me. No reason. She just mad, okay? That hurt my feelings. <laughs> anyway, the, the point is, there are things that I do for her, like when I don't let her put her finger in the fan. She, you know, she's like, oh, that, she'll do it. She's so bullheaded. I don't know where she gets it from. Over and over and over. In the moment when I pick her up and I take her away, all her little mind can think is, he didn't let me do the thing that I wanted to do most because she can't understand that if I allow that, it's going to hurt her. So sometimes when you feel like God has abandoned you and he's not giving you what you want, remember, and this, you know me by now, those of you who have been here, I'm not the guy that's going to give you some bull answer to make you feel better. This is the truth. We already know that he says, I will, do, I will work out all things for the good of those who believe, according to my purposes. So if he's going to work out your good, he's going to give you what you want, what you really want, right? 
Because if God had given me what I wanted when I was the homeless guy, I would have been married, maybe, to a crazy person. All right? Sorry, I shouldn't have said that about her. Emotionally unstable. Okay? And I would not, and I would not be here. You see what I mean? But in that moment, that's all I wanted. I prayed for that. And I remember when my prayer changed from, give me this to God, whatever it takes, get me out of this. Because I didn't know what it was going to take, but I knew he did, and he did. He did, and he will. So I just wanted to separate that because your mind can go, okay, so now I'm back to earning again. I'm back to earning. No, 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 no. I will do anything for Daisy, anything. Not because she is a, not because she doesn't punch me in my eye. Okay, because I already told you she does that sometimes. She literally last week, for no reason, I'm like, ha, ha, she's like, ha, right in my face. And I already got a broken nose thanks to James, right? <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. If you want to know, see, it's crooked. It didn't used to be crooked as of, what, last year. James's head, my nose. Um. <laughs> Boy, I got off of there big time. But that's the point, right? Why do I want to take care of her, man? I will do anything for her, guys. And some of you that don't have kids yet, it's okay. Pick who you want. Because I used to think the same thing, like, yeah, I get it. But, like, those are parents, whoever you love the most, because they're at least going to, God at least loves you as much as you love the thing you think you love most. I do it for her because she is my daughter. You understand what I'm saying? I will fight for her. I will die for her. I will do whatever it takes to make sure she has everything she needs and as much as she wants that I can give her and that is good for her. I am a sucky human. How much, do you, how much better do you think God is at doing that, at being a father than me? Well, trust me, it's a lot better because he knows all the answers. Todd, you read a big section here. What's the point here? Well, I know you like lists. Um, and I think that'll let me wrap this up. But this is really, really important. And I hope, I hope, I hope this leads to freedom for some of you. But here's the thing about it. And I've said this for a long time. And if you come to this church, you will hear me say it a thousand more times. You've got to be willing to walk away from the crowd if you want peace in Jesus. You've got to be willing to walk away. You're like, I am, Todd. I'm, not, I'm in church today. I'm not in the world. No, no, no. There's a lot of goats in the church. All right? There's a lot of people that are setting the stage and saying that God is one way. And popular Christianity, I'm telling you, popular Christianity, the kind that gets put on the pedestal, 99% of the time is not reflective of the God of the Bible. And so what I'm saying to you, are you willing to follow him even if all the people who say they're his are going this way, but his word says go this way? Now, will you? Will you stand with the adulteress when they want to stone him, stone her? Will you? Because it's a lot safer to be the one with the rocks because then nobody notices your sin, right? Will you? You want to change the church? You want to be something different? You want it to be everything? We got to have a lot more people willing to stand with the adulteresses and not getting ready to pick up rocks. Because the message comes after that, right? Don't you go read what it said, what he says to her. I'm not even going to tell you. Go read what Jesus says to her afterwards and the order in which he says it. It's very important, the heart of God. Sin is serious. And if you're around here enough, I promise you I'm going to offend you and tell you how you got to change your sinful ways, okay? That is not an issue. Is that an issue for me, Luke? Do I, do I have a problem telling people to repent? No, I ain't got a problem with that. But because <clears throat> sometimes you all just need to, we just need to wake up and repent, Okay? 
But make no mistake, we can try our hardest to be perfect. If we don't understand this, we will live in misery, right? Our best works are filthy rags to the Lord, so it starts with the recognition that (sighs) he's got me. He's not mad at you anymore. Did you know that? Did you know he's not mad at you? That you put your faith in him? Do you know he's not disappointed in you anymore? Do you know that? Well, he, maybe not now. It was five years. No, not even in the moment. He's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at you. He's not with those people that are condemning you. He's not. How do I know that, Todd? Easy. Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation in Christ. Simple. So if there's a condemning voice, guess who's not there? Jesus. For who? In Christ, right? You're condemned if you don't have Christ. So, all right, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Do not choose me, I chose you. This is what I command you, love one another. All right. Here's your list. I I try to come up with names for the list, man. It's hard because I just want to be like, here is the sermon notes. That's corny. All right, abiding on the vine. The vine is Christ in case some person out there. I see you enemy out on the internet trying to catch me. Anyway, Christ. <clears throat> Number one, your home. Now you get what I, now you get it. I'm wrapping it around. Remember what I asked you? I asked you earlier, where's the place that you feel the most comfort? It's at home because you're not scared. You feel welcomed. You know it's your home, your place, your space. With Jesus, it, you're already home. You don't have to worry you don't have to chase it. You don't have to be anxious and think you've got to control everything. You can just be home. You're home. That feeling you have should be what you, what we, I believe it's possible to live in that all the time. That feeling of, I'm home. How do I know that? Paul says it. He said, I've learned the secret to contentment, whether in good times or bad, right? I'm going to paraphrase it. Jesus, that he is with me always, that I'm with him Guys, everything that is ever going to happen, right, the end result is good for you. You win. And that's hard sometimes when the trials of life, trust me, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm a negative Nelly, okay? <laughs> that's a, such a corny thing to say, but that's, I'm that guy. I'm Eeyore sometimes. But you're home. Sit there right now. Imagine that feeling, long day of work, long day of school. You come back, you go to your room. You go, you know what you do. You can do that right now. You're home. You're home. If some guy, if I bust in your house, kick the door in and go, ha ha, you're not in your home, what are you going to say? You're a lunatic. Get out of my house, right? So right now, when people come, like maybe come around and say, you're not home, and Jesus, you're not with him, be like, get out of my house, you weirdo. I'm home, right? Cling to that. You're home. Number two, this is my point here. You can breathe. What do I mean by that? Stop trying to earn something that you never had enough to pay for. There's a difference between following because you want to be where he's at and you want to do what he does and some of and, and earning. Some of you are spending so much time trying to build these sandcastles and say, look, God, look how I'm serving you. Here's a cross and here's me feeding people and, and here's me going to church and, and here's me, you know, not looking at that bad thing on the computer. Look, God, and by the time you look up, he's six miles down the road. Follow him. He'll lead you to those places. But the issue, I'll get to that. 
we'll get to that. I gotta, st- gotta stay, gotta stay on topic, Luke, because you know me, man. I'm a rambler, rambling man. Um, number three, you can breathe. I, I think that breathe, man. I want to stay there. Sorry, don't go to number three. You can breathe. That's so important. That's the peace. He's he's not disappointed in you. That's not Todd telling you that. So you don't have to go. Well, what if Todd's wrong? I just told you. That's all the message is. I love you. Trust me. I love you. Trust me. Come over here. Why? Trust me, right? Over and over and over. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He trusted him. That's faith. Faith has nothing at the end of the day. I'm sorry. Your sin, your na- the nature of your sin is irrelevant. In regards to your relation with Christ, you put your faith in Christ, the nature of it. It's relevant to you because it will affect your life. But even when your life falls apart because of decisions you make, he's never leaving you, ever, ever, ever. You can breathe. Let yourself let go. What happens when you let go? Okay, I'm going to tell you number three. And this is true, and this is, this is where I want to get to. When you don't worry, you're free to love. When you don't worry, you're free to love. Remember I told you earlier that in the time when I had nothing was the time I loved people the best when I cared about their needs. That's true. That's not me just talking pastor talk. That's truth. Because all I, I didn't worry anymore. Everything that I put my faith in was already gone. I was left with the only solid thing. And in that solid thing, I was very bold because I already knew nobody could take him. And I found a peace and a joy that I had never experienced before. And some of you, you haven't experienced it because you're not willing to fully do that. And it's okay because guess what? Life is a constant journey of doing that over and over and over again, of having, you know, getting distracted, coming back. Oh, oops, I walked in the mud, getting back on the firm ground over and over and over. And it's beautiful because he's just sitting there going, okay, it's okay. I'm going to help you out. He doesn't just say, follow me. Yeah, get out of that mud. He's there every time. I'm going to pick you up. If you want to follow me, I will always be there. And you don't worry, you're free to love. So here's the interesting thing. Let's go back to abide. When you abide in him, when you remain in him, when you trust in him, you are going to be free to produce fruit. Okay, all right, here's an example. Uh, have you ever done something? Okay, who's ever, all right, let's say football. Okay, I'll, tell, I'll talk about me again with football. I love football. I know it's just an opportunity to talk about football. When I love football, and this is true, when I played football, I kind of had to claw my way up, right? When I played arena, once I was playing in arena and you get paid, you guys have probably heard this before, all of a sudden, there was pressure because I literally, right, one time, just as an example, I, I tried to strip a ball, strip the ball, if you don't let me take the ball from the guy on the goal line, I ended up, he spun off me and scored. At halftime, my coach liked me, I, I thought. And he looked at me in front of everyone and goes, Bland, if you ever do that again, I will cut you on the spot. That's pressure. That's like, okay, if I don't play well, one play, I'm gone. Guess what happened to my love for that game? Because the pressure of trying to perform to perfection took away any joy I had in it. Versus when I was playing to try to get there, Right When I was just, when the goal was to get to the next level, I played free because there was no pressure. If I didn't do it, eh, right, I still was getting to play the game. Nobody could take that from me. Get what I'm saying? 
It's the same thing here. When you remain and abide in Jesus, when we rest in him, when we do those things, you're naturally going to be free of anxiety, worry, and doubt. And guess what happens when you do that? You don't worry about whether you're loving the person right. You just love them. You don't worry about whether or not you're the perfect wife or husband. You're just trying to love them. Right? You're not worried about whether that homeless person that God is telling you to give money to is going to take it and spend it on drugs. You're just going to give them money. You get what I'm saying? You have all of a sudden taken the pressure of the outcome off of yourself. Some of you wives in here, okay, I'm going to offend you. I feel like it's been an encouraging one. Maybe I offend. You think, hey, I will respect my husband when he earns my respect. Mm, wrong. That's wrong. Now, why do I say that? Todd, do you hate women? No, it's just you get pumped up enough in the world. I think you need a place you can get told some truth, okay? The fact is, that's not the way it works. When you trust in Jesus and you trust, because your mind, I already tell you what your mind's going to do. You hear me tell you? Ladies, I'm about to be a lady. Well, if I do that, I'm rewarding his bad behavior, and he'll continue to do it. Don't even say you don't. If I give him a smile right now, he'll think it's okay to keep doing this thing that made me mad. So I got to make him understand. No. When you let go of the outcome of whether or not Bob ever becomes a good husband, you'll be free to be an amazing wife. I'm serious. And husbands, I hammer you all the time. I promise you the guys get it way worse than you, but it's the same thing. Man, I, it'd be easy to love that girl if she just stopped being such a crone to me, right? That's crone? I just mean like a really mean person. I don't mean an old lady, all right? Because crone, like a witch, you get it. Anyway, stop, when she stops being that, then I will love her. No. When you say she may never again, she may never give me the respect that I believe I deserve. But my father does, and he said, love my daughter. Right? And you, if you've ever had, you'll have moments of it, right? The goal is to extend those moments. Single guys, you want to love? Learn to do that. Learn to do that. Learn to love when you don't get anything in return. That's agape. That's God-like love. Right? So when the coochie-coochie, hold, hold, right? The guy, you know, when that turns from when they annoy you and you still want to do it, then I'll be impressed. Get what I'm saying? Do you get what I mean by when you don't worry, you're free to love, when you rest? If I know I'm good with God no matter what, I don't worry about the quality of my fruit. I just produce fruit. I hope you're thinking and not going, what does it mean? All right. And number four, guess what else it'll do? When you remain in Christ, you're going to want to bring people home. You're going to want to go tell all your friends about the home. Hey, I met dad. I met dad, and he says, come home. You're welcome to come home. Well, I don't have a way to get there. It's so amazing. He, you know, our big brother came and showed us a way home. He made a way home. I can tell you where he's at. He can take you home. You'll want to do that. I did. When I was... When I was the homeless guy, I say it all the time because it's an amazing miracle. I don't care if you rent before get. I got to preach to a Nazi. And some of you want to laugh. I know, that sounds ridiculous. I promise you, this is a card-carrying Nazi. And he's sobbing on a, on a park bench with me. It was one of those surreal moments of like, how did I get here? You know, how did I get here? I'm supposed to be playing football at some college. How am I a homeless guy on the streets, on a park bench in some town I don't know, in the middle of the night with no car with a Nazi? Right? 
It's a true story. I'll tell you about it later. Ask me about it. And he's sobbing. How did that happen? Because oh, I don't know, man. He started to trust me because I just, I, and I wanted to love him. And to this day, I love him. You know what's really cool? Just an unrelated story. He reached out on Real Talk probably last year and sent a, one of the messages using the link and said, hey, Todd, and he invited me to his church. Told you, crazy stuff. That's not me. That was just me being willing to go where Jesus went. You want to tell people. I wanted people to know, man, you're not going to believe. Now, I'm sure they looked at me and like, Todd, why would I want to be like you, a homeless hobo that has no, <laughs> right? But at least I was a happy one. I was a joyful one. So they might have had their warm house, but they were not happy, right? You want to bring people home. So you're going to come play some music. And I know I gave a lot to you today. And listen, I could, we could parcel, parse this apart, right? We could tear this up. I could probably do a sermon on one sentence here, right? Like the man, you know who I'm talking about, old California John MacArthur, that's what he does. One verse at a time his whole life, that's what he preaches off of. Isn't that crazy? Not me. Anyway, but it's so important that you read all that together. My peace I live with you. What kind of peace? The peace that comes from what? From knowing that you're just, that your life comes from me. You don't have to keep yourself alive. You just got to stay with me. Now, here's the thing. Where is he? He's in truth. He's in love. Where do you find truth? In the word of God. Now, I found out from my good friend Trent, and I haven't, I haven't fact-checked this, but it was pretty powerful. I've always wanted, right? 1% of Christians read their Bible. 1%. You want to know how our culture got to the place where you're all out there condemning people and not giving forgiveness. You don't know the gospel. You don't, it's because you don't read your Bible. Pick your Bible up. Stop worrying about whether you read a whole chapter. Stop even worrying about if you understand it. Just read it. Read a verse. Where do I start? It don't matter. Go towards the end, right? You want some advice, right, where to start? If you're new and you're like, I haven't really read, I've been in it, pick a gospel and read it. What's the gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. No one's going to look. I promise I won't tell. You can look in the front and find where that's at. Pick one and read it. Go to church. Why? I, don't, I just had a guy do that this week. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Weird, but you know where Jesus is? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Go to church. Be committed to a community. Get accountability. Worship. Look for opportunities to serve the hurting and the lost and the broken. Because he did. He was never in too much of a hurry. When he was on the way to one place, if somebody came and interrupted him, he didn't get mad at them. He stopped. He loved them while he was on his way to love somebody else. How did the apostles, every single one of them except one, die horrible deaths for their faith? How did they do that joyfully? They remained in him and they knew. This momentary thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience and it's not a drop in the bucket compared to what I already have received and what I'm going to receive. Where are you at? Are you at peace? Hmm? Are you looking for it? Are you wanting someone to give you a magic word, right? Are you want you keep looking for it? Me too. You keep saying, God, where are you? Maybe you're mad. He hasn't kept his promises. The message today is really simple. He loves you. The peace comes from letting yourself believe that. Remain in him. There's the action word, right? That's funny. The one action you have to do is you've got to work to remain in him. Hold on, right? And here's the beauty. You're holding on. You're like, what if I let go? 
There's the secret. He already said he's never going to let you go. We hold on, right? I'm not, you know, I, I think of my daughter again. So there's times when she's hurt. This just happened last night. She got hurt. She's holding on to me with everything in her, right? Why? She's scared. If, if she lets go, is she going to fall? No, I got her. She ain't going anywhere. But it makes her, if it makes her feel better to hold on to me, then hold on to me. That's what it is. Stop kidding yourself, but you got to go where he goes. You got to do what he does. And if you have zero desire to do that, then I have a different message for you and you need to face reality. Because there is a very scary warning about the branches that don't produce the fruit. Well, I'm good sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. If your life doesn't show love for other people, I ain't talking about your family. Everybody loves the people they, they naturally love, right? People love them. How do you feel about the people that make you mad? Are you forgiving? Are you, you know, do you, not, do you want to even do that? Do you ever even feel a conviction that means the desire to do that? Because if you don't have that desire, if you never feel the pull to, to, to turn away from things or to, you know, to change a behavior or to, to love someone, if you never really feel that, if you don't always have to like, oh, I don't know if you've met him. He gives us peace and he gives us love. Everything good is in him. Everything good is in him. But if you don't know him, if you're in this room and you cannot say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, put a lie detector on you. Do you, you know, are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in Jesus? You can come up with all the reasons in your mind's why this ain't real, blah, blah, blah. But who's telling you that? Why is there a voice in your head that wants you to stay miserable? You, who do you think that is? You think that's God? I'm not miserable. Yeah, you are. You're miserable. Who wants you to stay in that? Who wants you to keep banging your head on a wall trying to get a different result? Whose voice is that? Whose voice is pointing out all the times that Christians have let you down? All the times that people who claim the name of Jesus have hurt you? All the times they've judged you and, and hated you and you watched them tear? Who's telling you that? When I just told you what he said he's about. Somebody that doesn't want you to have peace. Someone that doesn't want you to have life. Jesus talks about an enemy. He says, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come to give them life and give them to the full. Jesus offers you life. The person trying to steal that from you is the enemy, and he's real. And Jesus says this really scary thing. He says, there's only two options. You are either a son of God or you're a son of the enemy, right? Whether you know you're serving him or not. The gospel is beautiful, guys. It's not about earning it. It's not about cleaning up your act. It's not even about humiliating yourself by having to name every bad thing you've ever done to me or someone else. It's the realization that the way that you've gone, trying to make life your way, doing things your way, right? trying to be your own God, it's the recognition to say, I give up, I'm sorry. It's a recognition that you have done terrible things. You know what they are, the things that you're ashamed of, the things that you run from, the things that you hide from, that you can't get any rest from. It's coming to the realization that, God, I have sinned. Sin is you have disobeyed God. And up in your entire life up to this moment, if you aren't a Christian, you have disobeyed him. 
It doesn't matter how many good things you did, all right? Murderers and serial killers probably bought someone a sandwich sometime, but does that make up for the murders they did? And in the eyes of God, right, our best acts are like filthy rags to his perfection. He is good and perfect, and he made everything that way. And what happens is we decided that we didn't want to follow him anymore, and because the branches snapped off the vine, guess what happened? We die. We don't produce fruit. We rot And we infect the things next to us with that rot. And we hurt them. And over and over and over it goes. Because we don't have life in ourselves. We are separated. And the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So even the best person you know, that Christian thinks they're better than you, they're no better than you without Jesus. all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. You are destined for death without him. Well, everybody dies, my friends. Hell's a real place. And no amount of wishing or wanting it not to be real is going to change your eternal destination. There is only one person that can do that. Well, what do I do, Todd? You've already told me that I've sinned. You said I've fallen short of the glory of God. You say that that's going to lead me to hell. I've already done it. What do I do? Well, God has, that's, that's, That's the good news. The good news is someone is willing to take your place. Someone is willing to say, someone from heaven, someone from next to God is saying, I will switch roles with you. I will go there and you can come here. I will stand in front of the firing squad. I will take the electric chair. I will take your penalty, but you have got to ask me for it. You've got to be willing to follow me. You've got to be willing to turn away from the life you've lived. You've got to be willing to say, I don't want to be the same way anymore. I trust you. I don't get it all, but I put my faith in you. Faith is just believing he is who he said he was. And he did what he said he was going to do. On the cross, I know you know what that is. Jesus died on the cross, but you may not understand what he did. He took my sin. I use mine. He took my sin. Every bad thing I've ever done, every horrible thing I'm ever going to do, He took the pain and the punishment and the death as the father turned his back on him. He experienced hell for lack of a He did true, utter, alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His father who looked at him at one point and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased, turned his back on him. Turned his back on the disgusting view of my sin that he had to carry. Then he died physically. On the third day he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses attest to this. 500. He conquered death. So what's, what's this good news, Todd? Here's the deal. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That means I don't have to understand how it worked. I don't have to get it, but I believe him. Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. Give me the life you've promised. And he will. And what he asks from you is very simple. He's not telling you you got to put down that joint right now. He, I mean, you're going to. He's not telling you you got to put the joint down first. You got you to beat that alcoholism first. You got to get all of that terrible relationship first. What he's saying is what I said at the beginning. All he wants you to do is turn away from the way you're going. Trust him and what? Follow him. You're going to do things. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit's going to come into you. You're going to be changed. The Bible says you're transformed into a new creature. It's going to take a while for the outside to match the inside, but it's going to happen. Some of you have come into this church multiple weeks, whether it was years ago or last week. You've come here multiple times, and you've heard me say this a million times. And every week, you listen to the other voice more than you listen to the voice of truth. 
You listen to the voice that says you're going to look stupid. You listen to the voice that says they're going to judge you. You listen to the voice that says, well, this isn't real. You listen to all those voices that what? Want you to stay in misery. There's only one voice that wants you to what? Have life and love and peace. That's the voice you've got to follow. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. I did it. That's how I came to know him. You don't know what you're doing, right? It's okay. Come up. These people are good people, and they will pray with you. And in that moment, you're transformed forever. Nobody can take it from you. Not the snotty rich guy at the church down the street, right? And not the fancy smiling guy on TV. Nobody can take away what God gives you through Jesus Christ. No one. Whatever you do, whether you're the person that's living in anxiety and fear, and you need to just come to him and say, I let it go, Lord. Or whether you're the person in this room who doesn't know him, you have an opportunity now to be changed to go a different direction. Whatever you do, don't leave the same you came in today. Because if you do, you're choosing to.